what does it take to build a home? What does it take to build a home away from home? And what does it take to build a home away from home you cherish so much you would cry if you ever had to give it up? Bienvenue, mon ami. I am Nick. I'm your resident interior designer, a serial expert living currently in my sixth country, and your humble host on this podcast that is all about creating homes that celebrate la joie de vivre. That means celebrating your joy of and your joy for life so that you'll have a place you truly feel you belong to. And this is season three. And this time around, I will be exploring everything concerning the topic of change because we are post-COVID-19. And it's safe to say, life has changed for all of us. And the question is, how have you lived through this massive phase of change? Let's talk about how we can make change work for us. I'll be examining it from all different angles because it's quite complex, n'est-ce pas? And as every season, I'll be inviting some kick-ass guests from all walks of life with all sorts of professional expertise and personal wisdom to tickle the best out of this topic. Which is an introduction to the topic of this season and the question, can we project manage the crappy bits out of how we deal with and digest surprising and unwanted changes in life? Hey friend, I know it's been a while. How have you been? Well, since I do not know for sure what you've been up to since we last spoke in season two, I have still a very good idea of what you've not been doing because Corona was raining this planet. And yes, I know you're tired of talking about the topic itself, and I really hope you are not affected by the disease. But Corona as a global phenomenon has happened and it changed everybody's life. And that's what I want to talk about, change. How has life changed for you? Because I know it did. And whilst I'm hesitant to claim broadly that the pandemic had its upsides, one remarkable side effect it definitely had is it made us take a closer look at the nature of our lives and how we set up our reality to play out on a daily basis. Which is, quite frankly, what my business, A Home Worth Having, is really all about. So please forgive me if I might at points sound excited about that. The learner and observer in me is just too intrigued to sit quietly. So the pandemic changed our personal lives, but also how we socialize and work. It influenced how we perceive our own safety and shook our confidence on what the future holds in store for us. That is no small thing because it's destabilizing us by messing with our sense of self. And it definitely changed our behavior and small habits in public. It changed how we interact and meet with friends and how we move or don't move or how we don't travel anymore. And it also changed how we practice some very fundamental, very intimate family customs, like how we celebrate our holidays. And it led us to question what we value in life. Most of all, who we want to hang out with. Who are the people that, if we're forced to be selective, we choose to have in our inner circle? The pandemic made us confront some tough realities on how we set up our lives, how we designed our, well, for lack of better words, how we designed the process of how our life unfolds and plays out each and every day. 
If our lives were documented like day-to-day travel itineraries that we set up to run smoothly, then the pandemic was the slap in the face that showed us all the weak spots on how and where we made ourselves dependent on other people and outer circumstances to provide life quality for us. And that in itself is not a bad thing as such, but the extent to which we gave authority and responsibility away to others and allowed them to make us feel good about ourselves and our lives, that's what made so many of us feel helpless and feel like we're struggling once that was gone. Okay, so do I sound really nerdy right now? Well, wait, it's getting worse. See, I can't help myself but notice that despite the fact that we are all tired of constantly being cautious, general population seems to separate into three broad groups. Those that suffer, those that manage, and those who thrive. So how come that the pandemic plays out for some like a nerve-wracking thriller with one cliffhanger after another, leaving some at the edge of the cliff, holding on to bare life, clawing to routines like it was an icy edge and leaves them really struggling to get by? And how come that what seems to be the majority of people, those to whom the pandemic was or is an obstacle race, the change of reality is a hurdle. Clearly, they prefer things to be easier, but in the end, it's something that, quote-unquote, just has to be figured out. It's like extra work. And finally, how come that a few actually really enjoyed the side effect and experienced it as a gift? See, being an interior designer, I'm definitely a project manager kind of girl. I consider myself an analyst and creative solution finder. Making change happen is what I do for a living. I make change feasible and hopefully exciting and easy for my clients. So I was wondering, how can we make change work for us? I want to be able to understand and manage as much as possible. And yes, let's face it, manage is in this context a substitute for control. How much can I control change? Because I believe the more confident we feel about the areas that we can handle and that we can manage, the more white space we have for those areas that are out of our control. We just have more patience and maybe more grace if we have the ability to contain uncertainty to some extent, whilst leaning on what we know we can do well. And this is, after all, the Home of Having podcast. It's all about how we create more belonging and become also creator of better circumstances for ourselves. I like to call us better living activists. Because home is more than a place with stuff. I mean, scan your own life and your own memories of the homes you had in your past. Home is a vibe. It's a feeling. It's the essence of how we remember our life, the daily little things in life and in between those big external events like the pandemic that rock and even shake our world. If you don't like the vibe, the essence of your life that is happening within the walls, within the area of your control, it does not matter how pretty those walls are or how many riches and how much stuff you have. So the big questions this season are, how can we make change work to our advantage? 
Can we break it down? Can we make it enjoyable? And can we learn and ultimately grow from it? So that being said, let me lay out the project management approach to change. It clearly suggests that change is a finite process. You have a before, a during, and then an after situation. So let me lay out how I, and I guess most project managers, lay out the critical questions to ask. The before phase is when we analyze what is the situation, what is the problem, what else is relevant and needs consideration, what do we want instead, what does a good solution look like, or in my case, good is not good enough, what would a mind-blowing solution look and feel alike? Then we go into planning. How can we get there? What do we need? What is our budget? Or what are our material, skill, and time resources? And when we start drafting out a solution, I like to ask, what is the easiest versus what is the cheapest solution? Easy costs money, and cheap costs time and requires personal involvement. How does that influence the project? Finally, going back to what we envisioned as a possible solution, what will give us the most for our time, effort, and money? Where are our priorities? How will we get it done? Consider your budget of the planning of details, time management, logistics, and money. There's also expertise and other people that need to be managed. And last but not least, of course, your own energy. These are the standard questions to manage any project of change. But the bonus that gives my project the extra kick, and I would ask at this point, would be what would a failure look like in detail? Draft it out meticulously and then don't do those things. How will we deal with setbacks when they occur nonetheless? How will we know that what we've done is a good result? Some results will measure by the instant impact they bring, and others by the long-term effects. What will satisfaction feel like? Because that is the holy grail of any change we intentionally set out to accomplish. And it is so easy to hustle, 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 and never take the time to cherish and be proud of the long way we've come since starting. Now... I'm not going to deny it. Nerdy me is right now at this point really turned on just by speaking about this. So season three is going to be great. I have a list of interview guests that really know their shit in their area of expertise. And I will ask them about their experience and wisdom when it comes to creating and dealing with change. And if you want to be part of this season, reach out. I am thrilled when people want to participate. And I'd love to hear your story of change, the good and the sad ones. And I want to encourage you today to think back to those times you went through change and to the particular things you struggled most with during this time. Is there a pattern? If there is, it's worth working on those so that we're at least prepared and can emotionally pre-digest so that the blow doesn't hit us as hard. 
I did this for my process and where I see my clients struggle most. And I came up with these five areas. First, struggle versus ease. The struggle can never be greater than the result or the reward we seek, right? Because then it won't be worth it. We'll be more tired, we'll be worse off than before, and we'll feel morally depleted and maybe even end up with less self-esteem. Second, time and patience. That is a fickle one. We tend to label impatience as something bad. But my experience is as soon as my clients have a concept they love and a roadmap on how to make it happen, they get impatient in the best possible manner. They are ready to start and show commitment. But it can also go down the other way and become a fear factor. Depending on your personality, you can start to worry that change will happen too fast and burn you out or not fast enough and drag you down with no noticeable improvements of the situation. Thirdly, public versus private or internal versus external change. This is all about motivation, about stamina, and ultimately dealing with the satisfaction we want to feel. Because behind every project lies a life or several lives. The change we seek when working on our homes and the way we live is not really about the stuff as much as it is about us, the people. It's about you, the person, and making your soul feel good. The stuff that we add or subtract, they are just the tools that will evoke a certain feeling. Number four, clarity. Well, I should have put this one at number one, Because first things first, but this isn't the ranking. (laughs) Clarity is essential because it's about expectations and security. It's the main ingredient to making sure that the project runs smoothly. What is our level of clarity about the situation, about the problem, about the process and the solution? Just to give you an example... Many clients of mine come saying, you know what, I don't really know what I want. I just know that this isn't it. Or I just know that I'm sick of IKEA stuff. Right? So it's easier to point out what we don't like rather being clear on what it is that we really do want. And then finally, hindsight. Number five. Hindsight is always 2020. As in full vision, right? Not the year 2020. So in retrospective, change is always cohesive because when you are in the after situation and you look back to the during, to the process, everything makes sense. Every step you took got you to where you are now. But when you are still in the before, when you're planning or when you're in the during phase, when you're working on your change, we don't have that knowledge and that is a major source of insecurity. So, we need to some extent leave room for human error. We need to make the difference between insight and practice. If we don't have the luxury of practicing this over and over again, and this is our limited chance of getting it right, then it's about the insight. We need to try to be wise beyond our age. That's the question up front that I mentioned What would need to happen for this project to die? 
It's drafting out the worst case scenario in order to know what not to do. The usual goals are something like, we're trying to avoid overspending. We're trying to avoid stress. We're trying to avoid pain and struggle because in the end, how cool would it be if we could make this entire process enjoyable? Because again, friend, life is not about the result at the end of the process, but it's about the overall quality whilst doing this thing, this project we call life. Life is better when we can take pleasure in it. So how does this sound? Did you find yourself in any or all of these areas of change when it comes to your past struggles? Yes? Well, cool. Stay tuned because I will make sure to talk to every guest about those points and more. And maybe you were about to make a bigger change in your life really soon. I mean, it is the end of the year. So let me give you one last nugget of wisdom to bring this episode full circle. The pandemic messed with our sense of self and was a change forced upon us. And God knows that change is already so freaking hard when it comes from within us. Big, meaningful change is not satisfied with finding simple substitutions, as in replace A by B and you are done. Big, meaningful and long-term sustainable change requires us to make a shift in identity and how we see ourselves. We need to change the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, past, present, and future. Which brings me to one of my favorite quotes of wisdom. And that is, sophistication is the ability to recognize, make, and enjoy finer distinctions. We seek finer distinctions because they add more flavor, more richness and diversity into our life. So let me make a first finer distinction here for you when it comes to change. My work, and especially my expat life, have taught me that there are two different kinds of change that we can make. One is change to adapt, and the other is change to transform. The difference is this. Adapting is always for something. Adapting is about being open and being able to let other things, new experiences, new knowledge in into our life and letting them have an effect on us. Adaptation requires you to be able to be shaken and to question yourself and the truths you hold dear and possibly to hold two opposing truths at the same time. You need to be able to hold the tension. So adaptation needs confidence up front. It needs us to have confidence that whatever comes at us, we can deal with it without the experience harming or traumatizing us. The other one is transformation, and that is a change from something to something else. So transformation is about setting boundaries. Sometimes it's also about cutting ties or burning bridges, but it's always about protecting in order to nurture something we hold dear. Something that maybe isn't strong enough yet to be shaken, and that's okay. I always have the image of a greenhouse and of tender plants being nourished in front of my inner eye because they have great potential to grow into something amazing. But for now, they need to be kept safe and protected. 
Those boundaries are meant to hold space for what is most precious at the core of a project, which is our life, right? Our desires. So whenever I struggle with any of them, I think of a quote that helps me worry less. When I struggle with adaptation and letting things in and letting them shake me, I find myself being stubborn. And then there is this brilliant French saying that goes as follows. Que les imbéciles ne changent pas d'avis. <laughs> and I love it because it's so blunt and so straight right into your face. The translation would be only idiots are not able to change their mind. <sighs> the French, right? Always happy to slap you. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh and it reminds me that I don't want to be an idiot. I take myself and my triggers less serious when I say this to myself. So that's my quote for adaptation. Que les imbéciles ne changent pas d'avis. The one for transformation and setting boundaries is from a Stoic philosopher called Epicurus. I hope I pronounced that right. And it's not making me laugh, but it's reminding me to be more aware about what I really want and why transformation is necessary in the first place. It's the phrase, self-sufficiency is the greatest wealth. Yes, you could lay it out as somebody saying, oh, fuck you world, I'm going to do this all by myself. But seriously, it's exactly the opposite. It's about... The more you can take care of yourself, the less you need other people to do that for you. The more I know, as in build deep inner knowing that I have things to give because I can give them to myself first, then the more I can share them with others. And my sharing does not come out of a place of need and want and insecurity and wanting to be loved but from confidence that I'm competent and able to enrich other people's lives. Self-sufficiency is the greatest wealth. Okay, let me recap. Change is already hard enough when it comes from within us. But when it comes from within us, we have the hope for better. Nobody attempts to make change with the intention to make things worse. Of course not. But forced change, like the pandemic, is a whole other game of heart. It just feels not just like a slap in the face, but like a car crash, because it usually comes out of nowhere, and it's just pure uncertainty. And our lived experience tells us that one change comes rarely on its own. Once you made one change, it usually means there's a chain reaction. There's always more things to adjust. And sometimes it's hard to see the end of that change tunnel. So if more and profound changes on the horizon for you, get clarity first. Is it a change for adaptation or one for transformation? Then go back through those questions, the different phases of project management that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, and you will also find them all written out under this episode on homeworthhaving.com slash podcast slash change. And finally, stay tuned. Subscribe to this podcast because I have fantastic guests lined up that will make adaptation and transformation easier for you. And we'll start next week with Catherine from Bad Days Abroad, who helps people make a sound, 
a level-headed decision in an emotional situation of uncertainty. Now, if that's not a superpower, I don't know what is. So, hopefully till next week, mon ami. A bientôt.